Go ahead and turn over to Romans 8. Uh, also, just want to make special mention of an awesome sister who's been out here with us for six weeks uh, with work. Been a great encouragement, uh, great servant, and uh, moving back to Chicago uh, to her home church. And so wanted to ask her to stand on up, but uh, Talia Johnson is moving back. There you go. Great to have you with us. Send our love to the Windy City. Uh, enjoy the ride. You know, I had an eventful journey uh, over in Russia. I know it's an area that's very dear to our ministry here. Uh, we built many friendships through the years. Uh, a number of their church leaders have come here to Santa Clarita, uh, been a part of things in July. Uh, most recently, uh, Sergey and Elena Lamakin, who lead the church in Nizhny Novgorod, came and uh, spent a week here with us. And uh, they were just so encouraged by you. I mean, countless disciples said, Ron, please tell your ministry in Santa Clarita. Thank you for their hearts. Thank you for their faith. Thank you for them uh, sending you to us, uh, you know, so that, that you could be here to encourage us. And please send our love back uh, to the church there. Uh, we'll be praying for you. And so uh, there are so many people that repeated that message. And so... You know, greetings and love from your brothers and sisters over there. You know, when you journey over to uh, another ministry, you never quite know how things are going to go. You never uh, know how God is going to use you. Uh, you hope he's going to use you to do great things. Uh, you know, and the journey started off really eventfully. Um, it was supposed to go pretty smoothly and then land in Moscow and be picked up and go to the hotel well, it started in the first flight out of L.A. to Chicago was delayed because the weather in Chicago was bad. And so you wait and you wait and you wait, and then, then they finally say, okay, the weather can go. Then you get to Chicago, and flight number two, the plane uh, had mechanical failures. So 30 minutes, we think we have it fixed. An hour, we have it fixed, but they're doing testing. We should get the green light soon. Two hours later... We've decided to give you a different airplane. Yeah, you can all relate. You know, so now we're going to send you to a different part of O'Hare. And you get on the different flight and you start doing the math. And, you know, you think, I've got a comfortable layover in Helsinki, you know, comfortable long enough that you're not stressed about making a flight. Well, you figure out really quick as you do the math, there is zero chance that we're going to make the flight in Helsinki. Uh, not just me, but 355 other people on the flight um, also missed their connection. So you get into Helsinki, and then they have one desk, which is the transfer desk. And that's where you go if you've missed your connection. And so 355 of us wait in line. And, you know, so now you're like, okay, so I missed this flight. I wonder how life's going to be. And, uh, you know, so you're standing in line there, and I get an email from Sergey, who's picking me up at the airport. Bro, I am so sorry. Um, no one will be at the airport to pick you up. So I'll see you tomorrow at your hotel. So you're waiting in line, and you're like, well, that ought to be interesting. And so then you get out to the front of the desk, and I kid you not, the lady picks up my ticket. She goes, oh, here's your flight to Moscow. She goes, oh, wait, 
it left two minutes ago. Wow, bummer. If you were at the front of the line, you would have made your flight to Moscow. There's no more flights today out of Moscow. Okay, hold on. Okay, we're going to send you to St. Petersburg. All right, fine. Okay, so now I'm going to St. Petersburg. And I go, where's my boarding pass to get from St. Petersburg to Moscow? They go, here's your ticket. When you get to St. Petersburg, you have to go through immigration and customs. And then you have to get your boarding pass at the airport. Like, okay. So now, you know, then things are delayed. And you get there and you got like 45 minutes to make your flight in St. Petersburg. So you got to go through immigration and customs. You got to get your bags. And then they kind of dump you out in the middle of the airport. And I go, well, where do I go for this ticket? And she says, oh, just wait there, and I'll come and tell you. I'm like, right, like right here? She goes, yeah, right here. Okay, so I'm just standing there. Five minutes goes by, ten minutes goes by, and there's a few other people that, that end up in waiting right here. And then she comes out and she goes, okay, get on that bus. So now we have to get on a bus and drive a few miles to the domestic terminal. So now you got like 25 minutes to catch the next flight. So I walk in the airport. I get through security, and I have no idea where to go. So, you know, I walk up to the information window for Aeroflot Airlines, and she goes, go over there, and that's where you check in. Well, they have all these gates and so I ask enough people, and I finally figure out which is the check-in desk for my flight. So I wait in line. Now it's 15 minutes. And I hand them my ticket, and they go, where's your ticket? I go, well, this is my ticket. They go, that's not a ticket. I'm like, well, that's what they gave me in Helsinki. Well, this is not a ticket. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? I go, this is all I have. Well, I don't know. So now they go off and have a discussion. With my passport. And then they come back, and now it's like five minutes. And I go, so what's the answer? And they go, we don't know. I go, well, you're the airline. Who knows? How am I going to get to Moscow? And they go, well, we don't know. Then, then the boss came up. And so they spoke in Russian. And finally the guy says, okay, boarding pass. And print it off. Give it to me. I get in there. You know, it was the last person on the flight and they closed the door and I got to go to Moscow. So now I'm at Moscow and make friends with an American who married a Russian. And I said, um, how do you recommend that I get to my hotel? And he says, well, do you want the cheap way or the safe way? <laughs> and I said, I want the safe way. And he said, take a cab. And I go, well, how do I know which cab to take? And he goes, yeah, that's a good point because there's a lot of people that are just self-designated cabs. And he goes, so make sure you take an official one. How do I know it's official? And he goes, well, yellow is pretty official. If they, they don't have the yellow, that's not official. I'm like, okay. So I walk out there with my luggage. You know, tourist lights and bells are just like going off over my head. So I walk out there and I'm thinking, official, official cab, official cab, guy with the walkie-talkie, yellow. I'm thinking, that guy's official. Doesn't speak English. So, uh, you know, I'm like, taxi, um, Cosmos, uh, Gastinitsa, that's hotel. 
Da, 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 da. I'm like, uh, U.S. dollars, net, rubles. I'm like, U.S. dollars. Okay, pay me. How much? So he tells me, and I'm like, well, I'll give you 60 bucks, U.S. He's like, okay. You pay me, I'll pay him. So then he puts me in a cab with the guy that spoke no Russian, and I made it to the hotel. So that was just the beginning part. So then I get with Sergey Friday morning, and he picks me up at the hotel. And I said, okay, Sergey, when's my parenting class? And he goes, oh, it was last night. That's why I couldn't pick you up. So right at that moment, I had a major attitude with God. Like, God, I traveled 28 straight hours to get to Russia. One of the key things I'm trying to do is help the parents in Moscow. And you don't even get me here in time to teach my class. Now, I didn't say that to Sergey, but that's what I was thinking. And so we talk, and I said, well, I am coming through Moscow at the end of the journey. What if we did it next Thursday night? And he's like, okay, good plan. So we have, Sunday, we have Saturday service with his congregation, and I'm sharing the story about, you know, what I went through. And I had four or five disciples come up to me at the end of service and go, I'm so glad you missed your flight because I couldn't make the parenting class on last Thursday, but I can make the one next Thursday. And they said, I'm sorry you had to miss your flight, but I'm really glad I get to hear you teach. You know, and it was convicting because God was at work the entire time, but it didn't feel that way. I was like, what's going on? God, you know, here I am. I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to help the disciples. And this is, this is the way you treat me? I mean, this is, this is it? And then you're like, yeah, but there's parents that were able to get help because of the hassle that I went through. And they came up at the end of parenting class a week later and just said, I'm so glad I was able to be here. You know, the point is God is always at work in our life. Now, it doesn't always feel that way in the moment. I don't know what God had to do to you to get you to come to church this morning. I don't know what you're going through in your life. I don't know what hardships you're facing. I don't know what circumstances you encountered. Just so it happened that somebody invited you and you were willing to go, okay, I'll miss the early NFL games on TV, and I will come and worship God. God is always at work. In Romans chapter 8, in verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn from among many brothers. You know, it starts there and it says, 
For we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. Now, a couple things. It says he works for the good of those who love him. He doesn't work for the good of everybody, just for those who love him. So sometimes if your life stinks, God isn't trying to do anything but humble you because you're not in love with him. And he's trying to break you down to the point where you'll say, okay, I surrender all. But you know what? If you love God, God is always working good in your life. Then you go, well, what, what does that mean? Does that mean good, happy circumstances? No. Goodness from the point of to conform you to the likeness of his son. You see, God isn't trying to make us happy. He's trying to make us Christ-like. And there's a big difference between operating within those two frameworks. You know, same thing's true in parenting. We don't parent to try and make our kids happy. We try to to parent to produce godliness and righteousness and make them a good citizen. Build good character. You know, if all you do is try and make them happy, uh, you'll turn them into a very selfish child. Same thing's true in our life. Yeah, think about uh, Christina Lamekin, a teenager, the Lamekin's daughter. She was here uh, worshiping with us, uh, got to be a part of the teen ministry. Uh, She was so encouraged by the cards uh, that you guys sent her. Um, You know, she's she's our new sister in Christ. You know, Nizhny Novgorod has not had a teen disciple, not had a teen kingdom kid in their entire existence of 10 years. Christina is the first. She didn't have any peers. She is the teen ministry. But it's so amazing because just in the few weeks since she's been baptized, she's reaching out to two of her friends. And while we were there, she started studying the Bible with one of them. And then another lady who was reached out to as a 15-year-old son, uh, uh, Kirill, and Kirill wants to start studying the Bible too. And so now they've got two teens, you know, that are starting to study the Bible. You go, you have no teen ministry for a decade, and then you got one teen that gets baptized, and now all of a sudden God is starting to bring teens in uh, to the church. You know, the Lamekins shared about the challenges they faced to move from Omsk to Nizhny Novgorod, that, you know, their teen daughter was older, and to move to a city in a mission field where she would be the only teen that didn't really count that cost, but believed that God could still move powerfully. And she became a disciple, and now God is building a teen ministry there in Nizhny Novgorod, all, uh, you know, because of that one conversion. You know, you just never know how God is going to work. Say, what is God accomplishing in your life right now? How is he working good? Not happiness, but goodness. How is he trying to form Christ in your life right now? Because God continues to teach me again and again and again that if you only take a snapshot of this moment, there's a lot of really good things that look bad right now. But when you see of what's produced a week from now or a month from now or a year from now, you go, now I understand why. You know, it's such a challenge to try and expand our view to get God's perspective of what he's trying to accomplish. But God is always 
at work. And sometimes our hardship is at our expense for somebody else's benefit. You know, there's not a one of us that when we baptize a close friend or a coworker or a neighbor or a family member, that we don't even think about the hardship. We're so fired up that we have a new brother or sister in Christ. It was all worth it. God is at work. You know, the second thing I want to talk about today is use your freedom to serve. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Do you like freedom? I do. You know, life is no fun when you have to do everything. It comes a lot more exciting when you get to choose. You know, all of us can relate to the desire to have more freedom growing up as a kid. When you're a little kid, you don't have a lot of freedom. And all you can think about is the next level of life. I remember going from elementary to junior high, and I thought junior high would be so great because you have more than one teacher. Because you know what? If you have one really good teacher, then that's fine. But if you have a lame one all day long every day, you got a lame teacher. And so when you got multiple teachers, even if you got one lame one, you got a whole bunch of other ones. And that was just like, wow, you multiple teachers. And then in high school, well, our high school, we had, we had an arcade in it. Yeah. And during study hall, this is so awesome. During study hall, you could go to the arcade. It was a fine educational institution. You know, seniors, they got priority, but if there was still space available in the arcade, then they went to the underclassmen and they'd rotate through the list. And I thought, oh, this has got to be the greatest thing ever. I'm at school, but I get to go to the arcade. Then, wow, college one day. They don't even take attendance. (laughs) My parents aren't hassling me about if I did my homework or not. I can go to bed when I want. I can get up when I want. And you think freedom. You know, I think our freedom defines us. Really not our ability to have freedom, but the decisions we make with our freedom is what shows who we really are. You know, Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 13, it says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, Serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devour each other, watch out or you'll be destroyed by each other. What do you use your freedom for? The fact is, uh, Russia is really uh, undergoing an incredible transformation uh, in the last 20 years. And it really, in some ways, has just begun. Um, for the first time in their life, most people can afford a car. They said 20 years ago, only the most wealthy families in all of Russia had a car. And now everybody 
can afford a car. They said you used to be able to have to wait in line for hours to buy bread at the bread store. And then you had to wait an hour in, in the vegetable store. It was all separate. And they said there's times where you may stand in line for three hours to buy bread and you got up to the front of the line and they said, we're sorry, we just sold out. We have no more bread left. Come back tomorrow. And now they have supermarkets just like Ralph's or Vaughn's. And they said it's amazing to see. said for the first time in, in, in a Russian citizen's life, they can become wealthy if they're not a part of a corrupt government or the mafia. That was the only two ways to get wealthy before. Because it didn't matter if you were a doctor, a dentist, a lawyer, a businessman, mechanic. Everybody made the same amount of money. And it didn't matter whether you worked 80 hours a week or 40 hours a week. You made the same amount of money. And for the first time in their life, they can become wealthy by working harder. The average Russian family right now, uh, the dad gets home, leaves for work at 6 a.m. and gets home between 8 and 9 o'clock at night. Every night. That's the average. They said it is not uncommon for dads to go three or four days and not see their children, not because they're out of town. They're in town. But they're working so many hours. Because they, get, they leave before their kids are awake and they get home when their kids are asleep. And talking to the, the ministers there, they said, it's the greatest challenge we've ever faced. Is trying to get our people to have dreams for God and not dreams for wealth. You know, I think about um, one of the lunches that I was able to have. I'd shared about uh, a young brother that uh, had paid for 20 disciples from uh, the south region of Moscow to be able to go to the conference in San Antonio. You know, Sergey had sat down with him and said, you have too many cars. You need to get rid of one of them and use your money for something better. And he said, and he had sold an expensive car and said, okay, I'll pay for 20 people to go to San Antonio. You know, a young brother. You know, Sergey shared with him, he said, you know, when Mike and Robin came over with you to Moscow, he said, uh, this brother, Andre, was a part of one of the conversations that we had. And he was the one that was asking Mike about, well, when you run your business, you know, things are really corrupt in Russia. And so, you know, you run businesses. Do you report all your taxes? And Mike said, yes. We report all our taxes. And he said, yeah, but if you report all your taxes, it lowers your profit and it makes it harder to compete against businesses that don't report their taxes. And Mike was able to have a conversation with him about integrity in, as a business owner. And Sergey said that he still talks about, that young brother still talks about that conversation with Mike. And he said his business is known as one that does it right. 
His business now employs 25 disciples. He's a young Christian. But he's, he's excited about using what God has given him with his money to help disciples, to help the church, to meet needs. He's a young brother. And he's so fired up. And I, I got to have lunch with him and another businessman and, uh, who's a disciple. And it was just great to see their hearts. And, and the incredible joy because they've learned to be generous with what God has given them. And Sergey said it has totally transformed their life and their marriage. You know, what do you want to do with your freedom? You know, this uh, American that I met on one of the last flights who married a Russian, he said, you know, right now the, the Russians are trying to overcome this feeling of, of being deprived for their entire life. And he said, you know, when you feel deprived and then all of a sudden you have freedom, you just want to acquire because you've never been able to acquire in your whole life. And he said, prices are skyrocketing and, and society is desperate because everybody's trying to acquire. And he said, hopefully society is going to make it through that time so they're not so desperate to buy. But I thought about his words and I go, you know, sometimes we're just that way. We reach a new stage of life and we go, finally, I can do this. Finally, I can make this decision with my freedom. And you can't tell me it's wrong. You know, society gives us the freedom to cheat on our spouse. It's a pretty common thing. That doesn't make it right. You know, nobody at work will probably get in your face and say, shame on you. So you, we, we got a lot of freedom. Banks give us freedom to buy things that we don't have money to pay for. Yeah, I used to have such an attitude when I led the, the CSUN ministry. Because you could be a working adult and the bank didn't want to give you a credit card. But for a bag of M&M's, CSUN students with no job could get a gold card with the $5,000 limit. And I would love to tell you that most of those students use that money wisely. Cars, clothes, stereos, video games, and freedom. But there was a price that was paid. You know, families are affected by the freedom that the Russians now enjoy. Because kids are not getting to spend good quality time with their dad. Marriages are suffering because people aren't getting enough time uh, to spend together. And we talked about that in the sermon. We talked about that in the parenting class. 
If you wait for the time to happen, it won't happen. You have to say no. You have to say no to money. You have to say no to your job. You have to say no to the business. Because you get one chance to raise your kids. You know what? Life there isn't all that different than what we struggle with here in Santa Clarita. You know, what do you do with your freedom? You know, I appreciate one of our sisters, uh, Shelby Kravitz. She took the Little Lovelies. I believe that's still the official title. Little Lovelies. That's the fifth and sixth grade girls. Took them to Disneyland. You know, Shelby's got a little more freedom. You know why? Because the three kids that used to live at home don't live at home anymore. Say, what would you do with your Saturday? Spend it with, I don't know how many of there were, 10, 15, 20, 5th and 6th grade girls. That's what she did with her freedom. She's fired up. Hang out with the little lovelies. What would you do with your Saturday? Did you serve? You see, we, we're given that freedom. But when we got that time available, we got the, the choice, the ability do we use it for others or do we self-indulge? You know, way back in Galatians 5, they had the same challenges that you and I face. It says, yeah, you're called to be free and freedom is wonderful. But use it for the right thing. Serve one another in love with your freedom. You know, serving is encouraging. You know, one of the nights, uh, second night I was in Russia supposed to uh, spend the night in the hotel again uh, before we moved on to another city. And about 7 o'clock at night, uh, Sergey said, you know what? Um, do you want to stay at your hotel tonight or would you rather do something else? He said, because, you know, one of the guys who's married uh, to a disciple invited you up to his dacha. Well, dacha is like a little country cabin. Well, like, I've never been to a dacha. Let's go to a dacha. <laughs> so we drove. Moscow traffic. I'll tell you what. Uh, Moscow traffic made me so grateful for L.A. traffic. Uh, it, it's staggering. It's, it's unbelievable. It, um, we spent four hours to go 35 miles. On a weekday night at 11 p.m. and no accidents. And I go, is this normal? And he goes, oh, yeah, this is normal traffic in Moscow. Because everybody now has a car. But Moscow was not built for a city with that, that many cars. You know, so we went up to the Dacha. Well, when I got there, I found out that the Dacha was actually about a 2,000 square foot guest house and a 5,000 square foot mansion that was being built it was a nice estate by a family and she she got baptized about two years ago she's um lena wooten sean wooten's wife her sister and the husband invited us up there and so we you know we hung out and talked till about four in the morning and he came to church the next day and they said he rarely comes to church but he's really hospitable and and we talked about having a heart for god and we looked at Psalm 73, which in Russian is Psalm 72, on that the sanctuary is where we think correctly. 
And that without being in the sanctuary, we're just an animal. We're a brute beast. Remember that passage? We studied it and we talked about that. And he was fired up. And I pray that he's going to become your brother in Christ. But, you know, it was amazing. Just, you know, you have that freedom and you see what um, was served up. It, it was incredible in time. You know, uh, I learned a new phrase in Russian. Lepota. Sergei said, you know, it, what it means is, wow, life is incredible. So do you, do you feel that way about your life? You know, somebody asked me, what's the favorite place that you've ever lived? And I said, I don't really have an answer because I have thoroughly loved every place I've ever lived. And I counted it up. I've lived in 20 different homes, 10 since I was married. And in the last, like, 12 years, it's only been two. So I was cranking there for a while. But... Cheryl and I have lived in 10 different places, and you know what? We have thoroughly enjoyed and loved every place we lived because people are awesome, and food is awesome, and every place you live has both. I thought, how do you feel about your life? Are you grateful for it? I mean, it's incredible all that God does. And yet life is always put in perspective. You know, sometimes you think you have a challenge where you're at, and then you witness something else and you go, oh, my goodness, wow. I thought I had it rough, but I'm so glad. You know, $21 a quart for Mobile One motor oil in Moscow. Expensive oil change. Sergey showed me a restaurant high up on top of a building. He said, he goes, that's the nicest restaurant in Moscow. He goes, I used to go there when I was a bill collector for the mafia. I said, how nice is nice? He said, the furniture is made of gold. He said, there's mo more bodyguards than, than guests. And I said, well, like, how much did it cost? And he goes, the salad is about 350 bucks. I go, well, how much is the steak? And he goes, about four grand. Because we had a lunch with three people that was $20,000. And that was just a normal lunch. And you think, wow, life's expensive. And then you hear that and you go, okay, life's not so expensive. <laughs> but I thought, you know what's amazing? Like, uh, anybody like roller coasters? I love roller coasters. But you know what the one common thing is about every roller coaster that you've been on? You. Every part of your life, every city you lived in, every home you lived in, whether it was an apartment or a house, you know, a little yard or a big yard, poor, wealthy, young or old, what was common about it is you were there. I thought, you know what, your life is going to be what you make of it. And I thought about Psalm 16 that said, the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. Santa Clarita is an amazing place to live. The disciples, the church in Santa Clarita is an amazing church to be a part of. Uh, it was a privilege to go there and share about you. 
tell them about different brothers and sisters in the teen ministry and the campus ministry and the married ministry and the singles ministry and all about you. And they said, wow, that's awesome. And I told the brothers and sisters, you are loved so much by the church in Santa Clarita. You know, I pray that you have that perspective about your life. Because God loves you. And he wants you to enjoy life. He's trying to mold Christ. He's constantly moving and working to form Christ in your life. And he gives you the freedom to make choices. Use your freedom to serve one another. Do not indulge the sinful nature. God gives us an incredible opportunity. Serve him and draw near to him, but to love each other. And I pray that we'll make the most of every opportunity as we enjoy the ride together. Amen.